you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL Podcast knows what a Super Bowl tastes like. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey, happy Thursday. This is our second video show of the month, uh, driven, of course. This podcast is driven by Hyundai. You guys need to know that. And, and part of that, that, that deal that we have with Hyundai, a video show every Thursday for all of April. So you check it out to, tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. You can do the calibration if you're in other parts of the world. I mean, what, what, it's on you. Yeah. Last, last week we got you know a link for the full show. If you didn't happen to catch it live, Sydney will send that out. We'll put it on the Around the NFL Twitter. Absolutely. So, mirth yeah. will be had. A lot of fun, a lot of mirth, and uh, a lot to get to in today's show, a show where we'll talk about uh, more draft talk because we're getting closer and closer to the draft. Uh, a draft talk that will include butt talk. Hot butt talk. And you know I love that. Uh, we. What's up? Oh, no, you're not looking forward to that, Greg. Disgusting. Well. Yeah, also known you. as Dan's favorite sound drop. It is among my favorite sounds in the world. Is a roasting buttocks. Says a lot about you. Uh, also, we're gonna have a special guest come in live on Skype, uh, so you'll hear it on the audio. But that's another reason to click into the video. Uh, the great Connor Orr bring it back. Or are you kidding me with a special accompaniment? That is exciting. Uh, but before we do any of that, there is some huge NFL news that came down uh, probably about an hour before we began taping. So let's get into it. Uh, let's start, Sid, doing some news. One of the great figures uh, in the history of the NFL, Dan Rooney, uh, who was uh, the chairman of the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Passed away on Thursday at the age of 84. 
Uh, Rooney did it all in the league. He came up, uh, uh, the son, of course, of Art Rooney, um, born the year before the Steelers came into existence and grew up around the team and uh, became one of the influential figures, uh, Wes, uh, it, both in terms of leading the Steelers to all their Super Bowl titles, six of them, but also in terms of the NFL, uh, working with commissioners, the establishment of the Rooney Rule, which he spearheaded. Uh, Rooney is one of the big ones, one of the big names in the history of the game, and we lost them today at the age of 84. I think if you have a Mount Rushmore of the NFL, Dan Rooney's on there with Pete Rozelle, with George Hallis, uh, with Paul Brown, and maybe Lamar Hunt. If you've got five people, those are your handful of some of the most important people in the history of the NFL. And his career spans basically – from the advent of the NFL as a popular sport. Before the 1958 title game, it was an afterthought. You cannot overstate how far above baseball was than every other sport in America, and since then, football has become. But he started at a time, if you read Judy Batista's excellent retrospective on Dan Rooney, he started negotiating contracts with players when he was an accounting student in college in the 1950s. This is shortly after the Steelers were the – the Phil Pitt Steagles, they had to combine with the Eagles during World War II, and they were the Car Pits. They had to combine with the Cardinals. This is how bleak it was in the NFL. And then now you go, 1969 is when he takes control of day-to-day operations with the Steelers. They had been in the league for about 35 years, one playoff appearance, no wins. They were the least successful organization in the NFL. Since he took control in 1969, they are the most successful organization in the NFL. Seven Super Bowls, only three head coaches in nearly 50 years, and they are the model NFL franchise. And if you were to add a fifth to that Mount Rushmore, it could be Art Rooney, who was an iconic figure when we first watched, watched football. Absolutely. The, the thing that stands out for me is when you look at the Steelers, they're in a division where if you aren't a consistent team, you're dust. And the coaching hiring, the ability to find a coach, three of them, in a time where other teams have 20 of them, and to get success out of all of them, to stick by them, and the results speak for themselves. It is one of the most consistent. A, some of these teams are not, they can be owned by a family, but they don't operate as a family-run business. The Steelers have always been a family-run business. And this is a renaissance man, ambassador to Ireland, did all sorts of stuff. The guy never stopped learning, doing new things, breaking new boundaries. People think of the Steelers as a great organization. Like that's one of the model organizations in terms of stability, in terms of doing things the right way. And for the most part, I think they're thinking of Dan Rooney. Now the, the, the chief, his dad, Art Rooney, the original Art Rooney, not his, his son, Art Rooney, the second who runs the team now, you know, he, he bought the team, but I think uh, he created the team. When you look at the history of the Steelers, even the chief would have said that, that Dan was kind of the pivotal figure. If you wanted to, you know, read it, read anything on it, this there's a book called "About Three Bricks Shy of a Load," which I've recommended on this podcast before. But it, it's a great portrait of the football in the '70s and Dan Rooney. And if you think about it, like you said, he took over in '69. The first big decision he made, as the essentially the guy running the team, was hiring Chuck Knoll. Interesting side point. He hired Chuck Knoll because Joe Paterno turned him down. So who knows that that is and a strange his, door that could have yeah kind of gone it is. and his father was leaning towards other individuals and it was Dan Rooney um, basically 
saying you have to hire this guy. And with Noel at the helm, they won four titles in the 70s. And then his father passed away, and and the Steelers had up up and down seasons in the 80s uh, into the 90s. And then finally, I believe it was 17 years into um, – or it could have been more, but it was around 20 years into his ownership uh, or being on his own without his father. Uh, they won the Super Bowl against the Seahawks and then again against the Cardinals. So six in total, all with Rooney there. And here's and I said at the at the top of this, we talked about how uh, he was there from the very beginning. He was five years old and he was being taken to Steelers training camp and his dad wouldn't even watch him. So the players would be looking after him. Uh, here's something Dan Rudy said in one of our great NFL films vault about what it was like, like being a young kid uh, following around uh, his team. I would go on a lot of the trips, especially when I got a little bit older, maybe the 10 years old, and I would go to, to away games and we were on a train then. The players, you'd spend eight hours with them, and I'd take my homework with them, and they'd help me do my homework, would talk to me and things like that, and I became very close to them. That carried on throughout his life. He was well-known as a guy that did not treat his players as adversaries. He was known for going into the locker room after games and shaking hands with every one of his players. I mean, this guy was the real deal. I mean, he was a humanitarian within the the walls of the NFL. I mean, he lived his entire life a couple blocks away from the stadium in the same. This is a, you know, millionaire many times over in the same two story house that he grew up in. That's crazy. He just walked to the facility. He he never once moved uh, in his whole life. And I, there's a quote from Mean Joe Green, who is the guy who uh, who introduced Dan Rooney when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And he said, Dan is always led with humility. When things go as planned, Dan is in the background. When things don't go as planned, he's in the forefront. I mean, he, he didn't. Judy mentioned he didn't have a bio in the team media guide because he didn't want attention. It's like he he went to mass every day. He he didn't have many you know luxuries, but he drove his own plane to the owner. Like he had his own plane and he drove it. Every, you know, he flew it everywhere. The it's like they don't make, they don't make guys quite so, like So that. not exactly a millennial. <laughs> no. I mean, honestly, we're like these guys in the NFL is one way to watch this happen. As you go from the seventies, the eighties to now you're losing these people. And the people that are replacing them are of a different quality. I know that makes me sound old and cranky, but it's true. It's just a different type of outlook. On but life. even in his own generation, uh, Rooney, he, he stood above and I, it's no small feat that also he went from being an owner uh, or or being the chairman of the Steelers and then uh, was always deeply tied to his homeland in Ireland. We have a lot of Irish listeners uh, that he was very um, he was very involved with um, just uh, promoting the arts in Ireland and being involved uh, with everything uh, where his family's in from. And so when Obama uh, nominated him as the United States ambassador to Ireland, this was right after Obama got elected. Uh, that was a really big deal for this guy, and it was—it just showed that w- that when that happened in 2008, early 2009, it was like a week after he had won the uh, sixth Super Bowl, and then he was became the. It was the only time he really left the Steelers in any capacity when he was serving that, and he visited every county in the entire country of Ireland, which no other ambassador had done. So even in, in that job, he did it better and with a with a touch of class that maybe past uh, people in that role didn't quite handle that way. And again, at an age when other people are shutting it down. This guy in his 70s goes and does something that other people would have tried to do in their early in their life, and then you just shut it down in your 60s and 70s. The guy never stopped. 
he may ultimately, his ultimate legacy may be the Rooney Rule when we look back a half a century from now. And before that, even in the late 1960s, he hired Bill Nunn, who was the first, I believe, full-time black scout. And the Steelers' dynasty was built upon Dan Rooney and Bill Nunn and uh, I believe, was it Art Rooney? Uh, Dipping into the historically black colleges. And they, two of the greatest five drafts in NFL history are the Steelers' in that time period where they drafted these stars from the historically black colleges before the other NFL teams were willing to do that. And, and his type of leadership is, is what helped build the NFL in terms of, and I, and this is where I think the ownership has changed to some degree where he really did have that broad sort of let's do what's right for the NFL instead of always being worried about uh, our team. He was quoted in Judy's piece, our business is the game. We're not in this thing to make all the money in the world. I think some other teams still do things our way, but on this, we might be the last guy on the mountain. Now, that was was a decade ago. That's a great quote. And he really was kind of the the last guy on the mountain. And what what struck me, you know, just reading all the – tweets and everything about is all the Pittsburgh television stations, all three stations immediately went into breaking live coverage in the city of Pittsburgh. Now, how many other, how many other people, much less NFL owners like Robert Kraft has, has won a lot of Super Bowls. It's like, it, this is a sort of a, a different level of someone that's a true royalty and legend in the city of Pittsburgh. Look at it this way. How many cities have a monumental figure like that? Right. I grew up in Cincinnati, and I can't think of who they would break in for all the stations to say this guy died. I can't think of one guy who would be that monumental of a figure. And I, I look at Steve Bashotti, the Ravens owner. This is a great – This is the out of all the tributes I heard, this was the most fitting – he called Dan Rooney the conscience of the NFL, and he absolutely was. As Mark said, he did things a different way. As Greg said, that quote, we might be the last guy on the mountain, he had morals and values that he clung to when the world was getting too fast and money was becoming everything. He was the one who sat, who took everyone aside and said, let's think about what we're doing. There was a memorable story where during it was during some type of conversation about commerce where he sent to the league office an NFL jersey covered in patches of corporations uh, to make the point. And he, back to the money thing, and I'm sure tremendously rich man despite the fact that he lived in that modest home, he said he never did anything in his life uh, for money. And it... The whole and just the, the way that they kept it in the Rooney family. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stories. At one point, he had to fire uh, his brother, uh, who was running the personnel department in the middle of the 70s. I mean, that, that it was it was not always a clean no that area. Yeah. That is the story. And even even I believe it was uh, I want to say the late 90s. You know, at, at one point they had to sell most of the interest in the team because they didn't have the money to do it, and you know they split it among the the five brothers and in the end all the other four brothers just sold their interest and and Dan Rooney was was the last man standing so Dan Rooney dead at the age of 84 an all-time figure a life well lived universally beloved and respected uh let's move on to other NFL news and we'll talk about uh Marshawn Lynch who has been dancing with the Raiders for a couple weeks now and now we seem to be heading towards Uh, something final. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reported Thursday that the Seahawks and Raiders are expected to work out a trade for the running back, but first Lynch must rework his uh, current deal that he signed before that retirement um, last year. Per Rappaport, Lynch's agents have permission 
from Seattle to talk to Oakland about adjusting the deal. If a new contract is struck, uh, then they will move on to talking the compensation. Lynch signed a three-year, $31 million contract in 2015, pays out $9 million in 2017 if he came out of retirement. Soon to be 31, Mark. Looks like it's going to happen. I think it's definitely about to happen and good for Seattle for trying to get something out of it, even if it's very little. I mean, it's I it, you know a couple of weeks ago, was like, oh, Seattle might just do the nice thing and let him go. Well, we found out this offseason, if anything, teams are not into doing the nice thing. The Cowboys weren't into doing the nice thing with Roma when they thought it would happen. And the same with, same with Seattle. Get value out of this. This is a player, if he's still going to contribute, if it's not going to be on Seattle, get something in return, if anything, if you're going to get anything. The bottom line here is, barring a major upset, he'll be on the Raiders, and then the Raiders can enter the draft without knowing they need an early-round running back. They might still draft a power back in the later rounds to eventually replace him, but that shouldn't have to be a priority entering the draft. I mean, we've talked about it on the show. It's such an X factor of how good he'll be. Like, if he came back and he was 2014 Marshawn Lynch, that wouldn't shock me. I don't know. Marshawn Lynch seems like a guy capable of doing some crazy things. Maybe the year off really does help you heal. He hasn't had that much pounding on his butt. But if he came back and he's just kind of done and that DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard are better players than him right now, like that wouldn't that wouldn't totally surprise me either. You don't know what you're going to get. So it sounds like a deal with Lynch will get done before the draft. Don't expect to see Adrian Peterson sign somewhere uh, before the draft in Philadelphia, which, by the way, will be outdoors. Did we touch on that? Oh, it's going to be outside, all right. Totally outside. Don't try to sneak inside to make a pick. No, Kamish. And no, no half measures here. Don't sell it as outdoors. And then I see you inside the spectrum. I don't even want to see a tent. But if it begins to lightning, like a lots of lightning, you still you got to st- you got to see it through. That's, and it, if you know whatever happens, happens. That's the risk. You have to see it through. And you know what? You're dealing with fans in public. Too bad. You set the table for this. You got to see it through, NFL Draft. Isn't that kind of exciting? It's fantastic. I'm going to take it even. Yeah, I'm going to just stop. Uh, But anyway, yes, Draft's outdoors. But barring a dramatic shift, Adrian Peterson is not expected to land a deal with a team prior to the draft. That, according to Rap Sheet, teams will continue to monitor Peterson's status, uh, but that wait. Uh, for a new contract will continue. Uh, so far, Greg uh, Peterson has met with the Patriots and Saints. No deal in either case. Uh, 32 years old. We talked about this on our network hit on Wednesday about where this, how this actually ends up. Uh, but it's going to take some more time to play out. Maybe your answer that he won't sign with the team until October you know, kind of be one of those in-season replacements, like a late career Roger Clemens or something. Someone gets injured Roger and actually Clemens. gets a little desperate to pay you the money. I don't think that's going to happen, but this just shows, you know, the interest is not there. It is interesting that Marshawn Lynch has a better market, ultimately, than Adrian Peterson. Well, we don't know that to be true. We don't know We don't know what the money is. I still what, think what a Lynch big portion of this is that Adrian Peterson is in no rush to to – Unless the fit is perfect, he's in no right. rush to put his name on a piece of paper. I'm a little amazed the Raiders are giving up anything to sign Lynch, but from you know what we've heard, it might just be like a conditional seventh round pick. It might be next to nothing. But the fact is, he he it looks like the Raiders wanted to sign Marshall Lynch. They didn't want to sign Adrian Peterson. I mean, I, okay, Mark. well, sorry, but that I, we know if, if this draft class were 
Not a good running back class. You had one or two guys tops that you could count on to come in and contribute. Adrian Peterson's timeline might be very different. He might already have a team. Someone would have said it's a need. We got to deal with it. But there are like seven or eight guys teams could look at and find a fit in potentially. There is no point in signing someone 10 years older and 10 times more expensive when you could get a rookie. I'm buying in more and more, uh, Greg, by the way. You threw it out there a couple shows ago. Uh, the idea of an olive branch. There, the Another big difference between the Lynch and Peterson situation is the Raiders making the move to, to Vegas and Marshawn Lynch being the Oakland Sun and the idea of him coming to the Raiders and adding even more juice to a season where if you're a Raider fan that did not say, oh, screw these guys, I'm not following them, this gives you even more excitement, so it kind of helps them on that front, the PR front. I mean, even, even from our front as fans – you know, Marshawn Lynch in Oakland, throw them on the first, you know, Sunday night game of the year or something. Like, what if they're actually in the mix at the end of the season? Marshawn, you know, Marshawn Lynch trying to get that team a Super Bowl before they leave? Well, hold on. You're cooking with gas there. Hold on. You, it's exciting to you, but if, they, and I understand the Raiders fans are going to travel differently than Chargers fans would, but. You, it is a half measure of an olive branch. We're going <laughs> to sign a 30-year-old running back, and suddenly everyone in Oakland's going to be excited, very excited about what's happened over the last month to their beloved no, team. Oakland has no football team anymore. Marshawn Lynch is going to solve that? No, I mean, give just, me a break. Maybe it just gets them in the stadium and a little more excited about this good. I like your other theory team. that if they go, if they start, you know, three and five, people are going to empty in droves. Uh, who John- was it who said you start making moves to please the fans? You. Soon you'll be sitting in the stands next to him. <laughs> you know who said that? Whitey Herzog? I don't know. Keith Hansen said that. Mm. He originated that quote. That's not true. Gandhi? All right. No, it's not true. I don't know who said it. But I like you just, I mean, why not attribute to someone in your family line? Uh, yeah. Get some credit for it. I mean, we're talking about the Roonies and stuff. Yeah. Why not? A very Dan, Dan Rooney move by you. Yeah. Ed Sessler, any famous lines? I mean, you know, books of them. <laughs> What's the most famous, like, Ed Sesslerism? I think he said over and over, I'm extremely proud of you. <laughs> and it just fueled me from babyhood on. <laughs> babyhood? I don't know. I feel like we... No, my dad was... He'd be good at a party, rip some jokes out, watch him operate. Little mini bar at the house, have people over. I mean, you know, you kind of learn from your dad how to do all this business, so... How to be a man. Yeah. Wow. So he was like a regular... Vince Lombardi would always Love have my like dad. a post-game... Post game well, party, you know, kind of like cocktail party, and they like to they like to have people every week. all the time. <laughs> you imagine Absolutely. Belichick doing that? No, <laughs> talk about a different time. Let's dedicate the show to the greatness of Ed Sessler. Fine by me. We, we've never even mentioned Ed Sessler on the show. It's good to it's overdue. Yeah, Eddie. Maybe we'll have a segment. Five hundred and fifty, you know, episodes <laughs> in. Here we go, Johnny Kerr. <laughs> Johnny, it wasn't Keith Hansen. I believe Johnny uh, Reg Kerr used to be the coach of the Chicago Bulls. Jonathan Hankins has a job. The former Giants defensive tackle has agreed to terms with the Colts on a three-year deal worth up to $30 million, which is pretty good coin at this stage of the game. This according to Rap Sheet. The new pact includes $15.9 million guaranteed, $10.5 million in the first year. The Colts later confirmed the move. West, you like it? I love it. In an offseason where there aren't many obvious winners because – the star players are spread out so much, and, and many of the moves are spread out. I think I like what the Colts have done on their defense better than what any team has done on their defense. 
Chris Bowden has really added size, versatility, toughness, athleticism to that front seven. He's got pass rushers in John Simon and Jabal Sheard. He's got big guys in Jonathan Hankins and Al Woods and in Bar- in Bar- not Barkey, uh, the uh, who was the Estonian guy, the Eastern oh, Marcus, Marcus Hunt, Marcus Hunt. Uh, and even got an inside linebacker in Sean Spence. This is a completely overhauled front seven, one that desperately needed it. Essentially everything that Ryan Grigson could not do, Ballard has done in about one-fifteenth the time. It's got to it's gotta pan out, of course, on the field. I'm sure he would be happy if, if even well, you know, start. two out of three of the I, – I agree with Wes, and I agree with you. It's been great. And you know what's crazy in terms of how bad Ryan Grigson was? They've added all these pieces, and I like these guys. I think they're going to play starter snaps. They still have about five or six spots on that defense where they could really use upgrade. I mean, I was looking at kind of their drafting. It's like they need everything on that team except for wide receiver, tight end, and I guess quarterback, you know, if you don't want to worry about Scott Tolzien taking all your offseason snaps, which is what's happening right now. I'd certainly be worried about be it. a little worried about so it. So are we – Greg, uh, where are we with Chris Ballard right now? I'm f- I'm fine with him. I'm saying he's bringing a different energy, and he's he's a guy that I just can't quite put my finger on. But he's different than the rest of the GMs. Something going different on. Attitude. You two have Ballard. severe issues. I would suggest you address them. <laughs> Why? What? It was just it was. If That's you the were, end of my advice. If you were there, you have to understand. The, the the energy that was emanating off this man. What is this, this energy man. you guys keep talking about? There was something going on. And I, maybe Might it's be good. mystical. Might yeah. be good. I'm watching the energy he's bringing to a team that desperately needed it. You can go you know, go on with your personal observations. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Are you is that your is that Ed Sessler? Huh? Is that your father? That is Mark Sessler. You seem very, very uh defensive of Chris Ballard. I think he has done a great job. <laughs> we'll see. Colts fans, I think Colts fans finally feel like they have someone in their in their building that, that cares about building the roster versus arguing with the coach. Damn. Wow. Barry and Greg go. Sorry, Greg, Ryan. Greg Bone. Not sure we are. <laughs> Barry the Greg Bone. Uh, as Greg shows me a screen grab of Chris Ballard, I'm just saying. <laughs> what are you saying? It's a mystical energy around Chris. Mm. Sorry, Mark. Finally, Bill Belichick, you know, for a team that's supposedly famous for, um, you know, keeping things behind closed doors and Patriot way, this team is in the news a lot. And uh, maybe it's because they're just so damn good and everyone's so interested in the coach and the tight end and the quarterback and everybody else. But Belichick did an interview uh, with author and journalist Susie Welch. Uh and in that interview, it was a long-ranging interview. Wes, you quite liked it, I know, um, because it really Belichick dove into a lot of aspects of his history and his thoughts on coaching. And one one aspect of the interview, or the aspect of the interview that got the most play, was Belichick and Welch played a word association game. Word association games are sneaky good uh, tools because they get people to say things uh, because the very nature of it speed answer uh you can get something some good info and i think the, that susie did a nice job here with bill let's hear some word association i'm gonna say word and just want your immediate snap reaction okay sure football more sport than business but it's a business but i respect the game for the game and for the sport the media it's how a team connects to its fans deflate gate ridiculous aaron here it is 
tragedy. Heartbreaking. Yes, that would be another word. Yeah. Winning. The goal. There's no medals for trying. This isn't like eighth grade where everybody gets a trophy. Mm -hmm. We're in a professional sport, and it's competitive to win. That's what we do. There you go. So There were many interesting tidbits in this article from Bill Belichick and his philosophy on coaching, the lessons he's learned. The one I found most interesting was the lesson he learned that you count on your most dependable players, not your most talented players. And I think when you try to figure out his philosophy of roster building, why he jettisons some guys in their prime, why he gets rid of a Jamie Collins and keeps a Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins is more talented than, than Dante Hightower. He's found Hightower to be more defendable. And it's not just those two as an example. There are many examples where he leans on. He even points out, look, Tom Brady's not the most talented guy in the world. But find a more dependable quarterback than Tom Brady in NFL history. Yeah, people were trying to push that today, that uh, uh, the Brady, they try to isolate that quote and say that Belichick said that Brady wasn't the most athletic. What was the exact wording? It was, wasn't the most athletic player or right. wasn't a very athletic player. Uh, but – He's what he's saying. Everybody knows if you know the game that Brady started a certain way and through hard work and, and preparation and just mastering the position became something totally different. Obviously, somebody that you can trust above anyone else. And that's why they've been together for 15 years. That audio, by the way, and video, if you're watching our show, was courtesy of CNBC. See, like a big Susie Welch fan. I mean, he really like kind of opened up for her. He, he was was that at a Buffalo Wild Wings or something? It was kind of a, one of those restaurants where the, the license plates were under the glass. It's like, what are we taking Bill there? Take was that a, a nice real restaurant. crowd behind them or or, or a piped-in crowd? I can't that even know. It was a, re, it was a that real That sounded like there. actual like, it was like background a noise in the middle of like a bar and grill. Hmm. I'm just saying, go to a nice, get a nice restaurant reservation. Say I have the head coach of the New England Patriots. Uh, do you think we can get like a private booth area? Uh, to conduct this, and I'm sure the restaurant would go, yeah. Uh, yeah, we would. Uh, 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 yeah, but instead they go to the Buffalo Wildwood uh, Wings on the uh, – Well, we don't, well, we don't know that it was it could, that. Have you been in a Buffalo Wild Wings lately? Not, not in a while. Yeah. It could, it's like they're at the uh, the Bubba Gump uh, on the Santa Monica Pier. It's like, let's you know go to a nicer place, that's all. I hear that. That's what's happening in the news. We forgot one thing. Just the tone of his voice, by the way, when he says ridiculous after Deflategate. That's Bill Belichick, right? He's like, ridiculous. ridiculous. Contain yourself. Uh, Wait, sorry, Wes. Yes, the dates have been announced for the Tybee Island Super Bowl. Oh, Wes, I did not forget. Oh, okay. I just It was so important, Wes, that I break it, I've broken it out of news. <laughs> Apologies. No, no apologies I necessary. trampled on your news. It's fine. It's fine. But it was that important to me. The, the Falcons – are um, hosting the Super Bowl in a couple of years. The NFL announced officially that Super Bowl 53 will be played inside that new stadium, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, on February 3rd, 2019, the first game in Atlanta in 19 years. And, and what Wes is getting at, Chris, you are very excited, as we all are, because what is the possibility in play here? We need to start laying the groundwork now that this is absolutely going to happen because there's no reason for it not to happen. That Friday, most of our work is done for the week. All the teams are done giving their interviews. We jet out of there in a car. Yep. The four of us, Connor, Patra, we hit Tybee Island. It's yep. a three-hour and 45-minute drive. I'll be happy to drive Nothing. there as long as someone else drives back. Uh, we go to Tybee Island. We record the last podcast, that, that late week podcast at Huckapoo. Oh, my God. And then we party Friday night and Saturday. 
and we get back Sunday morning ready for revitalized and ready for football. Sunday afternoon, like maybe 4.30 p.m., just just ahead of kickoff, 5.54, something like that. Revitalized, that's the word you're going to use for how we would return from Huckapoos? <laughs> revitalized. This was playing around on our IM client, and uh, David Ely, who is Wes's boss and my boss, terrified potentially at the thought of this. He, he said, if I'm still involved – in the company at this point, you you simply have to get back to the game on time. I would say this has potential to, on one end of the spectrum, be one of the greatest things we've ever done as a group. And on the other end, Wes uh, exits as sort of a Barrett Robbins figure, and we never see him at that Super Bowl. It's going to be one of the two, one of the two. Uh, yes, just like Barrett Robbins of the Raiders went to Mexico and uh, missed the game, right? He just missed it out. Missed the game. Uh, it's it's definitely in play. Uh, I would say for. Uh, the prodigal West, but I will say this: uh, I I absolutely think we would have to take advantage of that. In fact, if we really really mobilized and got this thing set up, and the shadowy league figures shot it down through amb- ambivalence and just you know not being plugged into this show and the audience, the Super Bowl Fifty Three show will be our last podcast. <laughs> oh. I like that. And then at that point, we quit. Right. And at that point, we don't fly back on the chartered plane with with our employees. We simply all move to Tybee and we stay there <laughs> from now until the end of time. And we start a football podcast. There you go. I mean, we're trying to squeeze it into one day. Maybe we just let it thrown be down. and just let it go on post Super Bowl forever. Well, worst case scenario for me, we don't do the podcast from there. We just go Friday afternoon. I'm going anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we're free from Friday afternoon till game time. I mean, Come I've on. I've been pretty salty about Atlanta getting the Super Bowl over New Orleans for a long time. It's a crime. But uh, now I'm starting to warm up. This could be – I think it will be our finest moment as a podcast. If we're still around, if we're still employed by the company. That's, That's not a given either. a lot of factors, variables. All right. I have to deliver right now, gentlemen, uh, a draft act. Time now for Draft Facts, driven by Hyundai. Rhymes with Sunday. Yep. And this Draft Fact, I'll go all the way back to the 2009 draft. What a year. And um, who could forget the 66th pick of the third round of the 2009 draft? You know him. Bradley Fletcher. Defensive back St. Louis Rams went on to play Maron seven seasons and forced four fumbles and had a sack and, geez, eight interceptions over a career spent with the, the, the Rams, the Eagles, and the New England Patriots. Started 54 games. I think I wrote a few Roto-World blurbs yeah. about Bradley Fletcher back in the day. I mean, uh, I now know the purpose of why we have this show on Thursday streamed, and you can watch it on video at NFL.com because you can literally watch Dan Google and find the draft fact of the day. Hyundai getting their money's worth, no doubt, just like any Hyundai customer. Well done, Mark. That was draft facts driven by Hyundai. Sydney is furious with us. As usual. <laughs> it's not the only thing she's furious with these days. Um, all right. Now it's time to move on to the next portion of the program. Hot draft butts. 
It's that time. It's that time, Greg. Because, and here is the conceit of this segment. Um, the draft is a time where GMs and coaches, they work together with scouts, everyone in the front office. They all come together. Hopefully, they're all pulling in the same direction. Mark, you have fears in, in your team's front office. That, that might, be, might not be the case. But the hope is everyone's working together to identify ways to make the team better. And if you're uh, a GM that's coming off a disappointing year or if you're a player who's also come off a disappointing year and there's a possibility that a, a move could be made in this draft that could leave your buttocks a straight-up roasting dog, Straight up roasted buttocks uh, because they're making a move to essentially potentially replace you or you have enough heat on you where you could be replaced if you bang yourself in a big spot in this draft. That's what this seg, Hot Draft Butts, is all about. Yeah. so funny? I don't know. Just just the ridiculousness (laughs) of the phrase buttocks, straight up roasting dog. (laughs) It's like, what's that? (laughs) <laughs> that this is a legitimate setup to our, our segment. Buttocks will be straight up roasting, dog. <laughs> it's a very real seg <laughs> in a big spot. Here we go. And, um, Mark, you do so such great work at NFL.com. So Thank you. What <laughs> better person to start this exercise off with than you? Uh, thank you for that uncondescending introduction <laughs> to my segment of this por- program here. I will say this. I will go to the state of Ohio, but I'm not going to Cleveland this time. We wow. know their butts are hot. They got to nail this thing. But I'm going to go to Cincinnati because under the radar, Marvin Lewis has slowly, verbally been acknowledging that his the grip he has over his job is – Really, really in a precarious position at this point. Well, Marvin Lewis is an idiot. <laughs> that is an old soundbite. I did not say that right now. But let's just travel back in time a little bit. In December, before the season was over, he basically said that he basically planned to coach the team next year, all in, still involved, and that put to bed rumors that he was potentially going to retire. One month later, he said he was hoping for a contract extension, using the words, we'd like to agree on something at some point. It puts, I think, everybody's mind at ease going forward for their futures. One month later, February, Lewis said it's not crucial, in quotes, for him to sign a contract extension, saying if things work out, we would look, we would look to do that. And now let's go to April. Just a few, d- few days ago, Lewis says basically there is no expectation of a contract extension saying it's not really a subject that's on his mind all of a sudden. Mm. So he's not getting one. And I think basically the one-year trial for Marvin Lewis, he's the second longest tenured coach in the NFL, begins with this draft. And there are whispers that his grip over this draft is not what it's been in years past as they've got other people in the front office with more power, and it's not just Mar- the Marvin Lewis show the way it was for a long time. So I think, A, the Bengals, we saw what happened in free agency. This is no longer a team that we can easily call one of the most talented in the AFC, which we did, no matter whether or not they won a playoff game. The, the roster was unbelievable. Through the way they built that team, free agency in the draft, now you've had your offensive line raided. Your quarterback got killed last year behind a bad offensive line. You now lost your, your right guard and your starting left tackle. You got complete question marks filling in. So you got to try to find offensive line help in a draft that could be one of the worst offensive line drafts, and they're saying 15 years. So that's a problem. And on top of it, you have other holes. So 
it's a it's a huge mountain to climb for Marvin Lewis, and you got to wonder if he's going to get out of this. His butt is it's hot. <laughs> the position I have taken on this for a long time, and will continue to be my position, is that. His relationship with the Bengals ends when he wants it to end, not when the Bengals wanted it, want it to end. Hmm. Do you think this this year is a little different? Because he's been doing these one one and one two year contract extensions for so long, and this time around he's saying he wants it, and now he's saying it's not on his mind and he doesn't have it. That's a red flag. Uh, the Bengals operate differently than every other team in the NFL, though, and their front office is convoluted. When you say that. He's losing some voice in the draft room. That likely means I would think that Duke Tobin is running things, and he's he's Duke. done a good job. Um, it's probably a good thing if Duke Tobin is running things, but what you say is very fair. That it's a bad sign that he hasn't gotten an extension. But whatever, whether the Bengals move to action on actually firing him, I, I, I doubt that. Well, they got they have problems. I do think they need to hit, and I think that butt is a little bit hotter. Because of the way the Bengals have been doing things the last five years. They are about drafting and developing slowly about as much as any team in the league. They draft guys in the first round and don't play them until the third year. And then they become productive starters sometimes. So they are not a team that's used to just plugging in guys. They usually have guys already there in the starting lineup that are ready to take those roles and they don't need rookies. And now you look at this roster on the offensive line. And then, you know, different parts of the defense, certainly linebacker and up front. And they need guys to come in and contribute right away. And that's not really what the Bengals have done lately. Chris Wessling, tell us about some buttocks. Was it about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago? Daniel Jeremiah was on this very program. And when he wasn't taking pot shots at Dan Hansis, Mm -hmm. he was giving us info. Well, he was at least suggesting that the Chiefs might be a team willing to draft a guy like Patrick Mahomes and let him sit for a year before eventually taking over for Alex Smith. I believe Alex Smith has a hot butt. As much as they've come out and said he's our guy, I think they know their ceiling's capped with him in the playoffs. They're not going to beat the Steelers or the Patriots with Alex Smith as their quarterback. So it would not surprise me at all if a first or second round draft pick in this draft is used to select his successor, and when you get into something like that, extended slumps mean there's pressure to start playing the guy behind the starter. Makes sense. Not getting any younger, Alex Smith. Not that he's old, but he's 33. You're not expecting him to take a big, massive leap. And And he had a year last year that was not as good as his other seasons in Kansas City. Certainly not the as good as the two previous seasons. So that's and that, his weapons were better. Right, and that that's a bit of a concern. I think it makes sense. It's almost amazing if you would have said in 2013 when they traded for him that he would have lasted four straight years as an unquestioned starter. And win as many games as he did. Right. I mean, they, they've they've been among the winningest teams. I mean, he he's had a really strange career, obviously. And when he went to the Chiefs, remember, he was playing extremely well before he got hurt in his last year in San Francisco and then got 
uh, wiped away by Colin Kaepernick's rise. The Niners were, I'm just looking at it now, 19-5 and five in in his two seasons before he got yeah, traded. Yeah, so I guess yeah. I, I'm not that surprised that he started there for four years because he's always been a proficient quarterback, and they just just yesterday on NFL Network they played that heartbreaking Chiefs loss to the Colts, I think it was 45-44 in the playoffs a couple years ago where Smith played out of his mind in that game. But obviously that is not the Alex Smith that you're getting week to week in the regular season, and I, I totally get it. Uh, and Wes, I think it's a it's a great uh, name to bring up because if you're going into this, this will be his fourth year or fifth. This will be his fifth. fifth. This will be his fifth. I mean, it's kind of sit or get off the pot time. Even if you have been a proficient starter, they they need to decide if this guy's a Super Bowl guy. Well, and, and to your point, Wes, like when we talk about oh, you know, the, the messaging now is we're going to draft someone to groom for one, two, maybe even three years before they become a starter. That just does not exist anymore. Remember Ryan Tannehill, the red shirt year. Blake Bortles, the red shirt year. It is it is April nonsense when that when those words are being used. If Alex Smith comes out and the Chiefs, who have high expectations, are not getting the job done, someone like Patrick Mahomes is the fans are going to go nuts to want to see someone like that. All right, moving on. All right, so Blake Bortles, that's a hot butt. That guy's his buns are on fire. Uh, it's a hot hiney, and you know why? Because. I don't care that they re-signed Chad Henney, and I don't care uh, that Bortles is telling people that his mechanics are back on track. Uh, I look at this situation as Tom Coughlin has taken the reins of that organization, and he has no like relationship with Blake. He doesn't. I, I don't know if he's even talked to him yet because of the rules of the league. So it's not like he has anything invested in Bortles and making that work. He's going to look at it clinically. And all he has to go off is some pretty grisly tape. Uh, We're last, watching it right now. Yeah, if you're watching the video show, um, you could check it out. But like grisly tape last <laughs> year, right? Uh, and let's let's calm down with the that he played so great for two games at the end of the season. Right. Even that Forget great. about all that and, and remember that even this, the, the quote-unquote breakout season maybe could have been a little bit of a mirage on some level. And understand this, and this is where his butt gets really hot. The draft. Is what April twenty seventh, April twenty eighth? Outside, <laughs> is it? Yes. The draft is April twenty eighth, Thursday. April twenty seventh through the 29th. All right, April twenty seventh, Philadelphia. To the tw- Outdoors. <laughs> Outdoors. We say no roof. We did say before the show, West doesn't have bits. I mean, this is a this bit. Is a He's bit. got a bit. This is a bit. Of bits. Bit. <laughs> Usually, they're just more straight. You're more the straight man. Yeah, straight bit. I think not having bits is a credit to you. I don't know. Not having be- bits is one of my bits. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, April 27th to the 29th, the dress in Philadelphia outdoors. May 2nd is when the Jaguars have to decide to pick up that fifth year option. He'll know by April 28th whether that ap- option uh, will definitely not be picked up. He won't know for sure if it will be, but if they go and Tom Coughlin identifies a guy he likes. Uh, they. I absolutely think the Jaguars are in play to take one of these quarterbacks. Probably you can't have a newcomer come in <laughs> well, and steal a show. I disagree. In this lady. case, you can. Yeah, I think there's a very real chance that a newcomer could come in and steal the show, and Blake Bortles should be very nervous. Wouldn't you say is far more likely to happen at the top of the second round than the number, what, four overall pick? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. And they've had guys like Deshaun Watson in there for visits. They're clearly interested in in this crop of rookies. Well, I, I've been mystified all off season about their approach 
supporting Bortles. So it would make a lot more sense if they if they actually in this whole time have had it in their head, we probably will draft a quarterback in the first two or three rounds and have someone there that can possibly play sooner than later. Or David Caldwell, who you know put his neck out to draft Bortles and was the voice of the front office, was that support for Blake Bortles. And you know he's, he's found some good players, but Tom Coughlin has come in and completely changed the power structure. The voice of the organization is now Tom Coughlin. Dave Caldwell, you could find him actually in the Poconos estate, oh. uh, formerly occupied by Howie Roseman during the early Chip Kelly years. He actually is now <laughs> subletting it out to Caldwell. That's a true story. What are the chances? I mean, no one no one's gotten more of a pass from the media in general than the Jaguars. I, I was looking at Probably the, because of the Jacksonville the, Jaguars. I get it, but the most you know, I looked at the most wins and losses over the last five years. The Jaguars have more losses than the Browns. They are the worst team. And the Jaguars are ten losses clear of the even the third worst team. So the Jaguars and the Browns were the two worst by a long shot, and you don't really think of them maybe you do think of them at that that low a level. I think they're on the... You, they have not won more than five games in six years. Like, that's hard to... They well, got, we don't think of them as winning anything either. No, but... It's just the perception was always hope-filled. There was yeah. always hope, and now it's yeah. like, come on. They definitely got on people's radar this past year because everyone got sucked in, and then they stunk. And now Gus Bradley finally got wiped away. And I look at we'll that roster, and I like year. it. If it wasn't for quarterback, I'm, I would be I would be in on this year. All right, Greg, your turn. Talk about some butt. Well, this is a surprising one to uh, suddenly be feeling the flame. Out of nowhere, some uh, whispers about Carlos Hyde in San Francisco could be worried about a number two overall draft pick, perhaps Leonard Fournette landing there. Who knows if they trade down? Who knows if they take a running back later in the draft? Multiple reports, and granted, these are from draft analysts. Um, You know, not, not always the most trustworthy reports in the world, but some reports that they were ready to move on from Carlos Hyde. And more interesting to me is the fact that John Lynch, their general manager, was asked about that report, and he just kind of talked around it. I mean, he he said they're hopeful that they can that he can fit in the offense, but particularly when there's a new regime, they want to kind of see it. You're not sure if this skill set's going to translate, which – I think reading between the line is that they're not too sure about Carlos Hyde. And I think they're a team that's going to want to really focus on running the football and get a running back or, or a couple running backs that fits what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. And maybe Carlos Hyde is not that guy. This one does not pass my smell test for several reasons. First of all, roster this week cannot afford to spend the number two overall pick on a running back. Second of all, Kyle Shanahan came out in early March and already named Carlos Hyde the starter. Well, there's no one else on the roster. Said when he watched the tape, he's the guy who stood out. He also said people overrate too much what, what the scheme is. That if you're a good running back, you can run in any scheme. And third, when I watched all of Colin Kaepernick's games, Carlos Hyde jumped off, jumped off the film. He was their best offensive player by a long shot. This guy's too talented to give up on. When I hear John Lynch say those things – He's talking about motivation. He's trying to motivate Carlos Hyde. Stay on the field. Seems like the wrong guy to pick on outside of the motivation side on that roster. There's just not that much talent. And he did put good he did play some good games. And also what is number two back? But what is what is his number one criticism of Carlos Hyde? Doesn't stay on the field. 
maybe that would be number one. I would say on the field, what's the number one criticism? No, not involved in the past. Like, is a guy that loves to bounce it outside all the time. I mean, that's they, they killed him. Like, just hit the hole. Stop trying to make a big play all the time. I mean, he is an incredible running back to watch in terms of his skill and the, the way to make people miss it is his size is unbelievable. He has so much talent, and I think that's why he pops off the tape. But I think the coaches get driven a little crazy that he just won't just take the hole you're given. And that is the opposite of what Kyle Shanahan looks for in a running back. He wants someone like Tevin Coleman that might not have much wiggle but just kind of goes. All just I'd say is he hasn't go. even coached him. He hasn't right. even had a chance to coach him. He's not the, give, right. it a, give it a month. Sure. Give it some time. I mean, Shanahan has done a great job with running backs who were not as successful before he found them. He could plug a guy in off the street and have him run for 1,000 yards. I just think it's I, – I get where you're coming from. And if they draft someone and if they draft a running back at number two, then I think – then then the lays the, lays well, the foundation that's for this. that's what we're doing here, the hot but, it's, but I just don't think that at this point we're getting rid of right. Carlos Hyde on the 49ers. Greg, there's I, some good points are made. Let's see. Do you still feel as strongly as you did four minutes ago? I mean, I'm con- – I'm- I know. Wes made some good points. Mark made some good points. Well, that was you don't even believe in the second part of your statement. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> I, I was. I'm more confused because Wes. This was Wes's idea, but then he shot. I was like, oh, that's a good idea. No, because oh, okay. it is a good story, and there is some smoke there. But I think yeah. there's more smoke than fire. I I think it makes sense. Maybe it's not the number two overall pick. I don't think it needs to be the number two I overall pick. I see them pick. drafting a guy in the third round. Right. It, it, the, you can get your start. Now we're all running. getting cozy. You can get your well, starting running back in the third round. They'll, they'll draft a guy in the third round, and then Carlos Hyde will beat him out. Fairly Segment handled. over. I did, this surprisingly got on Mark's radar. Yes. I, I, I was what? I was waiting. It was, uh, believe me, I understand why it's on my radar. <laughs> I was waiting. It was like 40. Very smarmy. It was like 40 <laughs> minutes but, you know, into the show, and I still hadn't had Mark mad at me and me be well, to- totally confused Well, it was a highly smarmy it. comment by you. And, About you know, what? It's late on a Thursday afternoon. I don't enough even, is enough. I don't even know what the smarmy one was. This one Get on me. with it. Um, people right. are worried about us, Mark. I'm starting to get worried. I'm not worried. There, I, were, there I, was I, some I, heat on Twitter from our Thursday hit. That, that well, the heat been. came from Elon. Yeah, it's like, it's like, I know Mark hates me, but now it's like everyone. <laughs> I do not hate now you. Now everyone realizes. I do not hate you, but I will, not take, I will not accept smarminess. <laughs> smarminess. <laughs> That's two very different things. It's, it's all real, folks. Um... <laughs> All right, uh, so <clears throat> that's our that's our talk. That's our hot draft butts talk, and I enjoyed it. And anytime I can say "butt" uh, twenty five times in fifteen minutes on a podcast that's listened to by hundreds of thousands of people, I feel like including your bosses. I feel lucky. We know that you like that aspect. Cheat yeah. life. Cheat in life. All right, here we go. To end the show today, uh, we're going to bring on a special guest. Uh, as we teased, live from his haunted mansion in New Jersey, there's nobody better than Connor Orr. Let's welcome him to the Around the NFL podcast, driven by Hyundai. There he is, Connor Orr on Skype. This one's for the ladies. Yeah, this is where the video <laughs> right. podcast really pays off. You got to watch this. Look at that headset too. You are you are really important looking right now. You also kind of look like an assistant baseball coach for the local high school. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going for, like out-of-work umpire. That's the uh, that's kind of my thing right now. All right, so Connor reached out to me earlier this week, as he's wont to do, and said, hey, or are you kidding me? It's time to bring it back because I have something that's really grinding my gears. And, and if you're not familiar with or are you kidding me, it is the platform for Connor Orr, one of our gifted writers for NFL 
com to let people know what's going on in his mind, something that he's seeing out there in, in the pop monoculture, and you want to take it down a notch is typically how this goes. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say you're nailing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So today's topic is going to be uh, Tony Romo and his, uh, his issue or his decision to travel with the Mavs to their final regular season game that got on Connor's grid. And I will tell you this, Connor, because it's so special, because we're on a video show, because it is a juicy topic, we got to bring back an old friend. He's from the second floor. Uh, he works in product. His name is Patrick Kagongo. Oh, yeah. Come on in, Kagongo. Welcome Ooh. back oh, yeah. to the Around the NFL podcast. He brought his, his axe. I don't know the model. What is it? It is a Fender Jazz Master. A Fender Jazz Master. And what he's going to do? That's what he's going to do. Yeah. He's got a shred. That's what he's got to do. He's work. got a shred. You know why? Because we're about to play. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Connor. Let's go. All right. So I think this has been woefully uh, misrepresented uh, in the media this week. But I was watching Good Morning Football this morning, and they were talking about shameless product plug. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. That's that's okay. Uh, They were talking about uh, Tony Romo's quote special week. And they said, like, you know, that he's get, Tony Romo's getting all these fun experiences. Like, he's some sort of fourth grader that won the spelling bee, but there's no ice cream at their house. So, like, he just gets to play with the Mavericks for a night just because he was good at basketball once and just felt like it. I think that's, like, the stupidest thing ever. Tony, you're <laughs> a little too uh, lucky to get what you get in this world, aren't you? I could do better than that. Keep going, Agana. <laughs> like he's he's already decided. Okay, like I'm just gonna be a broadcaster and then kick this other guy out who's been doing this for 30 years. And now <laughs> they're like, oh, well, I, I I vaguely like golf too. So let's put him <laughs> on the Masters because that seems important. Like you know, it, it, my hometown right now is hiring a building inspector. So like Tony's been in buildings. Like why don't we just you know why don't we do that? I think this is like for the caliber of player he was like like Lofa Tatupu retired five years ago, but maybe he wanted to drive Tony Stewart's car at the Indy 500. Let's let him do that. Like we'll check with him and make sure that that's something that he didn't want to do first. You know? It's Tony's world. We're just living in it, and that ain't fair. <laughs> So what are you saying, though? What Are you saying that Tony Romo uh, should kind of quietly go into the next phase of his career, not be celebrated by the city of Dallas where he was one of their favorite sons for a decade plus? I mean, let's be fair. You're being a little crotchety. Yeah, it's true because he brought them so many Super Bowls and, uh, <laughs> and titles and everything like that. But Total like- burn. He never won nothing. <laughs> was dark that was so dark <laughs> but like you know 
so where do we draw the line now? Does like John Beeson get to play for the Mighty Ducks when he's you know like now that he's done doing whatever he wants to do and like we're, we're just like I I almost made the mock trial team. Can I sit on the Supreme Court for one day before you know I, I'm done with the NFL just to over try to overturn something? Save it day? for the politics podcast. <laughs> So your point is that Tony Romo just wasn't enough of a legend to be able to kind of pick and choose whatever he wants to do in this dream week. Why doesn't it, like, let's find like a, like a kid who broke his arm at school and can't play baseball so he can sit on the bench. Let's let him do it. Or like, you know, let's let some, you know, this girl that gets picked on or something like that and she's having a bad week. Let's let her sit on the bench and, and hang out with the Mavericks. I think that's a way better use of everyone's time than, oh, and, and then like the crowd was chanting to get, and he wanted to get into the game. Like, what, what are you doing? You're not, a, you're not on the roster. Kind of, you seem a little bit petty. <laughs> <laughs> My counterpoint, Connor, uh, because we did write about this on the end around that people take everything so seriously. And anybody that got uh, got got their britches in a bunch about the uh, their me undies in a bunch about their <laughs> this idea that Tony Romo can't sit at the end of the bench and get loud ovation from the people of Dallas for a one off thing where it, it will be forgotten. But everyone that was there enjoyed it and it got some good pub and moved some merch. I mean, there are so many worse things. To, to get upset about, and you choose Tony Romo. I don't understand. This is going to be the start of one of the dumbest traditions in sports history. <laughs> That's fair. And, like, when Drew Brees retires, he's going to get to play for the Pelicans. And then when, I don't know, when Eli Manning retires, uh, oh, let's let him back clean up in the Yankees one night since they're out of the playoffs. Like, <laughs> Poor <it's> Yankees. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's, and then, like, you know, it's it's such a shameless way to push merchandise. And how many, like sheep went in there and bought jerseys that that thing sold out in the first quarter that's so ridiculous you, you've all been fooled uh, is there anything else you would like to add connor or are you kidding me <laughs> bye connor <laughs> thanks connor yeah. Love you, buddy. See you, Connor. Love you, pal. See ya. Looking good. Look at him. Thank you. Love that guy. Uh, Patrick, uh, thank you so much for all you've done. Maybe give us uh, – can you play us out again like you did last time? Yeah, put a little pressure on you. Not yet. I'll cue you up. I'll cue you up. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> we will be back on a Monday with another round of shows, uh, three shows next week. Thank you to everyone uh, listening, remember, if you are if you happen to be hearing this before 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, check this show out. And also we'll send out a link so you can watch it at any time. Um, that's it. So uh, signing off, uh, this is Dan Hansis for A Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Boss, uh, Connor, or Are You Kidding Me, and New Money Behind the Glass. Till Monday. Take it away, Kagongo. <laughs>
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 